This is Radio on the Go, keeping you informed with news breaks every hour throughout the day, plus free anytime at RadioOnTheGo.com. New Year's resolutions. We all make statements proclaiming things we'd like to improve in the new year. Hi, this is Tessa Haller with First Bank Hampton. If you made a resolution to raise your credit score, we can help. We offer CreditSense, a free credit monitoring feature with online and mobile banking. You can view your credit score, check your credit report, and read tips on how to improve your credit. There's even an option to monitor any changes made to your credit report. The first resolution is to know where you stand, and with CreditSense, you'll be off to a great start. First Bank Hampton is a member FDIC. Welcome to the First Bank Hampton Newsmaker Program. Newsmaker is an informative local broadcast presented Monday through Friday on 104.9 KLMJ with interviews available in their entirety online at RadioOnTheGo.com. Each day, newsmakers from Hampton, Franklin County, and around the broadcast area visit with Radio On The Go about events, meetings, public policy, and issues that affect our area. And now, here's today's First Bank Hampton Newsmaker Program. Today on the Radio On The Go Newsmaker Program, we feature comments made to the Iowa Legislature this week by the Chief Justice of the Iowa Supreme Court, Susan Christensen, as part of her State of the Judiciary Address. Christensen said there are a couple of areas in the state judiciary that need to be addressed. While the court reporter crisis is having a profound impact on our ability to move cases along and to consistently provide certified records, the statewide contract attorney shortage is threatening to bring criminal proceedings to a screeching halt. According to the Sixth Amendment of the United States Constitution and Article I, Section 10 of our Constitution, criminal defendants have a right to counsel. This is constitutionally crystal clear. In one of the best known and most important cases from 60 years ago, Gideon versus Wainwright, the United States Supreme Court observed that lawyers in criminal courts are necessities, not luxuries. Iowa has nearly 10,000 licensed attorneys in active status. Almost half of those attorneys are practicing law full-time. And how many of those 5,000 active full-time attorneys are representing indigent criminal defendants? Less than 600. That means about 12% of the available 5,000 full-time active attorneys are representing indigent criminal defendants. I'd like to use Shelby County, where I was born and continue to live, to illustrate how the legal profession has changed so dramatically. During my lifetime, the population of Shelby County has waffled between 11,000 and 15,000. In 1974, my dad and my grandpa were two of 19 full-time attorneys just in Shelby County. When I passed the bar in 1991, I was one of 22 full-time attorneys in Shelby County. Today, that number is cut in half. And of those 11 active status attorneys, only four are eligible to be contract attorneys because two are judges, one is a magistrate, and four are in the county attorney's office. That's just not enough attorneys to fulfill the constitutional responsibility of providing legal counsel to indigent criminal defendants. How can it be when the five-year average for criminal filings in Shelby County alone is 225 per year? And my county is by no means unique. I just use it as an example. This is a crisis in nearly every rural and urban county in the state of Iowa. So how can we cover our constitutional basis when there are more criminal filings than there are available attorneys? 
Historically, we have relied on local contract attorneys, as well as those from other counties who were willing to make the trip. But recently, due to the shortage of attorneys, chief judges across the state have been leaning on private law firms to make some of their attorneys available for appointment. How is that working out? Let me give you just a few examples of real-life situations unfolding in Iowa's courts every day. A judge from Western Iowa said, as the appointment list gets shorter and shorter, judges have less and less ability to force criminal cases to move. We cannot afford to offend the few remaining court-appointed lawyers by pushing their cases because they can simply quit taking appointments, and they do. He went on to say, sadly, this results in our pending docket growing larger and larger over time, turning our motion days into marathons. This is a significant waste of judicial resources. You are correct, Judge Daney, and we must do better. Another district court judge reported that in a three-month period, the public defender and several contract attorneys asked to be removed from the list of available attorneys due to either case overload or changes in the public defender's office no longer taking certain levels of offenses. Losing six contract attorneys and the public defender delayed justice for the defendants, the victims, and the community. The judge also noted that in one case, one defendant had five attorneys cycle in and out in just a three-month period. As bad as it is for criminal proceedings, many judges report that the contract attorney crisis is even worse in juvenile court. In those cases, lack of attorneys results in delayed hearings. Delayed hearings means delayed determinations on very important issues such as placement of a child. Maybe it's time for a kiddo to go home. It'll have to wait. Maybe it's time to remove a child from a dangerous situation. That too may have to wait. Either way, this crisis has a profound impact on Iowa's youth and families when we cannot hold timely hearings due to the unavailability of lawyers. Another district court judge reported that just last week, she had a contract attorney who traveled 100 miles to her courthouse for a nine o'clock hearing, which required the attorney to be in person for a case involving attempted murder, first degree arson, and competency. When the hearing concluded at 10 o'clock, that judge called the next judge in another courthouse and said, hey, the lawyer's on his way. And she told him he should be there about 11.30 for his 9.30 hearing. He had to be in person for that hearing as well. That was a class C felony sentencing. When that hearing concluded at 12.45, which tells you people are working through the lunch hour, the same contract attorney drove 90 minutes back to a third county for an in-person termination of parental rights hearing starting at 2.30 p.m. Two very serious criminal matters, one termination of parental rights case in three counties on the same day, all handled by one lawyer. I want you to know that judges are being proactive in their attempts to recruit more contract attorneys but this has proven to be a daunting task. For example, in Sioux City, many of our attorneys are choosing to enter into contracts with South Dakota or Nebraska. They pay more. As you can see, our federal and state constitutional obligation to provide indigent counsel is on the verge of snapping. Attorneys, judges, and court administration are scrambling to cover their bases. Something has to give. I want to make another statement to judges, attorneys, and most importantly, Iowans who are entitled to court-appointed counsel, the Iowa Supreme Court is listening. We are keenly aware of how the contract attorney shortage delays justice and jeopardizes the constitutional rights of indigent Iowans. While not part of our budget, 
the judicial branch supports efforts to increase funding for indigent defense. This bold statement is based upon what attorneys and judges are consistently reporting across the state over and over. One, the hourly rate should be raised if we expect attorneys to forego other work when they have significant student loans and other obligations to pay for household. And two, if we want attorneys to bounce around from county to county and help us out, they should be reimbursed for their travel time. We are committed to working with other stakeholders to grow the number of contract attorneys from our base of active status attorneys. Until that day comes, we are taking immediate steps to make it easier for existing contract attorneys to make themselves available in more than one county. For example, districts are looking into shaking up court service days. That may sound simple, but court service days are something in each district that are hard and fast. Everybody's used to them. To say you're thinking about changing those is a big deal, but that allows us to accommodate the schedules of traveling lawyers. In addition, if contract attorneys are willing to take cases in several counties with similar motion days, it would save them a lot of driving time if some of those um, hearings or trials, mostly hearings, were held remotely. This is something I heard loud and clear when I visited the different districts. In fact, it was discussed so much that we lined up a dynamic speaker for an all-judge training to talk just on that topic, remote proceedings. It was outstanding and well-received. If COVID has taught us anything, it is we can and we should be using remote technology more than we have in the past to conduct routine, uncontested matters. We decided to put action into words in an effort to promote judicial uniformity and provide assurance to attorneys. The way we did that was we entered a supervisory order on November 4th, reminding judges that unless otherwise provided by law, they should use their discretion on a case-by-case -case basis in determining whether a judicial proceeding should be held remotely as opposed to in person. We do not want any judges with hard and fast rules about whether um, proceedings must be in person or proceedings must be remote. Likewise, it should not be up to one party to declare a hearing will be remote if it's unfair to the other party or the type of hearing is deemed to be serious in nature. That determination should be left up to the discretion of a judge. I have confidence in our judges that they will not abuse this discretion and that they will make a good faith effort to hold remote hearings when it makes sense. Our thanks to Iowa PBS for the audio for this program, and that is today's Radio On The Go Newsmaker Program. Thanks for listening to today's Newsmaker Program presented by your friends at First Bank Hampton. First Bank Hampton's Newsmaker Program can be heard every Monday through Friday on 104.9 FM following KLMJ's News at Noon. To hear today's conversation in its entirety, visit RadioOnTheGo.com and click Newsmaker under the News tab. Podcast listeners can follow Newsmaker and listen to other broadcasts on demand by subscribing to the Radio on the Go podcast for free on iTunes and Stitcher. With chilly weather of January, spring planting feels like it's a long way out. Hi, this is Eric Reichertz with First Bank Hampton. January is the ideal time to finalize financing for this year's crop, and you can count on us. First Bank Hampton is a full-service agricultural bank offering operating lines of credit as well as loans for equipment, buildings, and farmland. Whether you're a large or small operation, we'd like to be your bank by providing you with competitive rates, great service, and terms you'll truly appreciate. At First Bank Hampton, we're proud to serve local farmers. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender.